we're live here, so congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> we are live. Does it happen just automatically? Uh, automatically after we hit all the right buttons, yes. And so we are actually live. We are actually live. This is so you hit, cool. Uh, the start button there. So I can like do my theme song. Uh, you know, you could. You could do your theme song if you want to do your theme song, or we could stick to the the outline. Okay, we'll stick to the <laughs> outline. <laughs> Right, everybody ready? We are ready. All right. Welcome to Intern Pursuit Live, the show all about internships and how to survive them. This is Jerron. This is Isabella. And this is Andy coming up here in this episode of uh, Intern Whisper Live. Uh, Jerron, <laughs> we're going to put him in our student spotlight. Uh, then we'll have Apexis Digital Productions going to be in our employment spotlight. We're going to talk about how 3D printing is affecting entrepreneurs. And of course, we are going to introduce everybody to Isabella. Wow, this is exciting. I am so excited about being on the show. <laughs> and it's my show. It is your <laughs> show. <laughs> it's like my show. You're the reason we're all here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I'm so honored. Yeah. So tell us where we can find all of your social plugs, all your places, all of our social feeds. Where are we at? Well, there's two parts to the story, so I have to tell both parts of it. So Pivot Business Consulting is my parent company. And in that company, I work to train employers, uh, leaders in leadership development, also in areas of team building, team dynamics. But I was building a lot of experiential internship programs for employers. And out of that came Intern Pursuit, mm. which is the name of the other company. Intern Pursuit is a software that helps employers manage that whole side of working with interns so they stay in compliance and keeps their butt out of trouble. And then out of that, people started calling me the Intern Whisperer, and so that's the name of the show. Perfect. Right. I like it. Yeah. And so do we have like a Facebook page for all this thing? Uh, we do. We do. So what you're going to see in our notes that we're going to share on our Facebook page is you're going to see the site for Pivot Business Consulting, and then I'm also going to make sure I include the Intern Pursuit. Facebook, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram, we're on Google+, and we also have a YouTube channel. So for both of those products or both of those companies, you'll be able to find those social channels. So it's a lot to list. I don't know if everybody wants to have me read the long string. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, once you hit the social pipes, if you just uh, Google or just look around for Pivot Business Consulting, you'll be able to find those on there. Also, you can listen to us live on MixLR.com. Uh, that is at the uh, Valencia College Radio where we're broadcasting live there. And you can also watch us live on our Facebook page as well at facebook.com. And that's uh, Pivot Biz Consult. That's right. So um, the they would look for Intern Pursuit or Pivot Biz Consult is how to find me on the social channels for sure. Okay, so what what are we going to be talking about tonight, guys? Well, first and foremost, we, we talked a little bit about you. We're going to talk a little bit more about you, find out a little bit more about your game, uh, the Intern Pursuit game, the actual game that you've got, and a little bit more about uh, what Pivot Business Consulting actually does. Okay. So, um, as I shared earlier, Pivot focuses on leadership training, um, team dynamics, team communications, and culture. Uh, there are training workshops that I can do for employers of all sizes, using a personality assessment tool called Estimate. And there it can do anything from, it, it looks, it's color-based, the color-based profile. 
and people can learn how to communicate in are you a red are you a blue are you yellow or green so they can understand what their strengths are so it's a very positive program it's not the disc there is a, another product out there called disc and this one is eight facets instead of just four so what you're telling me is not everybody's the same no they're not isn't That's that amazing striking. We're all unique, I know, right? I'm glad to hear it. I know. Look around the room. We're all different here. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's what Pivot focuses on. And then it was, as I said, people would come up to me and say, how do you have so many students that are working with you? And I said, I create experiential internships. My background is in education, 20 years. I was a public classroom teacher for a while. I moved over into, I knew I didn't want to keep teaching in the classroom. I was in Seminole County. But I wanted to be able to um, work with adults. So I started teaching entrepreneurship, business classes, APA writing. And I worked at a lot of colleges. I graduated from Rollins. Rollins is one of the schools where I taught entrepreneurship for two summers. And I love my school. So I chose Rollins because it was as close to Harvard as I thought I might actually get. <laughs> it's a beautiful campus, spectacular professors, really wonderful place. Um, and I learned so much. So um, back on topic here, I fo like I said, just focusing on training, delivering workshops in that area on Pivot. Um, so and experiential internships. And then people started saying, hey, can you do this for me? And I realized um, I couldn't do it just as me. I was the bottleneck. And if I wanted something to scale, I had to create it so it was an automated system. So out of that came Intern Pursuit of Software. And that creates an experiential internship program for an employer of all sizes. It also helps them to stay in compliance, whether they're a paid or an unpaid internship. So it helps to normalize the whole process for an employer. It helps with the recruiting and being able to give assessments. There's an algorithm that matches the employers up to the students. So they can make sure that they're getting a fit. It's like human and science. They merge together, and it becomes this really great product. And then after the assessments, um, the employer can give. There's templates of assessments. They can see what the student's skills are, and they can see how strong they are and key things that would be good for students. Uh, I don't want to give too much of it away because it's kind of you know, my thing here it's right your now. Thing, right. Yeah, I've got to keep something under wraps here. Well, let me ask you a question about that. Um, you say students. What age... Or it's like your bottom line, your bottom lowest age that someone can be an intern or be in your program? That's a really good question. I have a high school student that is, actually I've had two high school students that have worked with me before. So they came in when they were like a junior in high school. So one is still with me and he is a senior now. It's been a year and a half, almost two years. Uh, he's learned how to program for the game. And oh, when perfect. he graduates from high school, he's like already ahead of the curve of what you know most people are going to college for. Well, that's great. So, as, so your youngest one so far has been a junior in high school, so 17, that's 17 years, years old. old. Okay, yeah. so basically old enough to enter the workforce. Yeah, pretty much, but right. still not an adult. So you don't no. have to be treated differently because they're underage, and that's now, significant. Do you have an age limit on that? No, I've had people as old as 58 come and work with me, too, and because they've gone back to school. So it's all generations, and when they're looking for skills, you know, they want to be able to earn those skills. Uh, if it's somebody that already has experience, then they're going to have really good work-life experience. They're going to be able to know industries. They'll be able to know whatever their customer skills were in another industry or 
maybe they're going back to school for, let's say, graphic design, and that's something totally different from what they were originally hired for. Maybe it was finance, you know? It's different for every empl uh, every student that has come through. But I usually work with traditional age students. Yeah, because I was going to say, we're in a world now where uh, we have so many boot camps that will teach you to program or teach you to graphic design or teach you whatever it is in three weeks or four weeks or whatever the course load is. Online programs, too. Skillshare, you can go at Udemy, yeah, true. Khan Academy. I mean, there's all of these other online resources that are available to people to be able to learn for free. MIT even has free programs. Yes, they do. Some yeah. good ones. I've taken some of their courses. But then you're left with the fact that you don't have any experience. And I guess right. that's what the intern pursuit will be have be able to match you with and provide you with that real-world experience. Yeah. And so I actually work with colleges and universities. Mm. I'm just an extended outreach of what a college and university is doing in their career services, and it's something that they can, I'm going to have licenses set up so that they can actually use this product with their own employers that they're encouraging to use, and I want to do a revenue split with them. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So. Well, we will get to learn a ton more about you as we progress through the show. And mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to give it all the way at the beginning of, a, a, you know, episode number one here yeah, as, that's on true. this journey. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do know that it's not all about me. I have other people in the room that are <laughs> immensely interesting, and I'm looking forward. I'm sure our listeners are. Well, we're on the spotlights tonight. We're all basically spotlighting ourselves tonight, so it's yeah. kind, of a, kind of a fun thing to do. But before we get to ourselves, let's talk about our first sponsor. Awesome. Canvas Coworking Space. Cool co-working space to 100-plus companies working in areas of technology and supportive businesses. A healthy startup company, community doesn't exist in a bubble, and Canvas is working to connect startups to a broader entrepreneurial ecosystem that will help them grow. You can find them at canvas.org. Thank you, Canvas. Yeah, Canvas is a cool spot. It is. I, was, um, I applied to be in their program. They have a program called Starter Studio. Canvas itself is a big, giant co-working space. They have a program called Starter Studio. It's an accelerator. So anybody that's a startup, they apply. There were 40 companies that applied, and only eight got picked. And I was one of the eight. My intern pursuit program, one of the eight. And we go through 12 intensive weeks of learning about customer discovery, the business model Canvas, just all kinds of really a lot of hurdles that we're jumping through that are really great. Um, they also have something called the Fire Spring Fund, and that is a program that actually it's an evergreen fund that they can go and, again, cause companies apply anywhere from 25000 to 250000 as seed funding to be able to launch the uh, program. Oh, that's fantastic. I've only used them for uh, events that I host out of there, or I'll get a day and I'll work a day there type of thing. It's a very wide open, open floor plan, mm -hmm. uh, desks everywhere or benches or tables you can sit at, plus conference rooms and uh, Adult beverages. You should yeah, see adult beverages in the bag, uh, microwaves, and I mean, it is just a, a perfect place to go. It's one of my favorite spots in town to hang out at mm -hmm. uh, and work from uh, on a daily basis from there, or or used to host events there, used to hold big events there as well. Yeah. So, awesome, awesome spot. Speaking of spots, we are now going to put our buddy here, Jerron, underneath my spotlight, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk all about him. Uh, he is an, uh, our associate producer here uh, with Pivot Business Consulting and Intern Pursuit. Mm -hmm. He's going to be graduating from uh, UCF, or do we say national champion UCF? Do we say that? Let's say national champion. Oh, okay, we'll say <laughs> national champion UCF, uh, home of the national championship, or national champion nights, I guess. Uh, well, he's going to be majoring in radio television production. So let me ask you some questions here, Jerron. Yes. Uh, three leaders, either living or dead, on a global level, local level, and personal level, 
that you find extraordinary in your life? Okay, let's go with global first. I would say Barack Obama. Okay. Only because I always considered him to be a very personal president. Yeah. Um, he's very inclusive, and that's kind of something I, I like to be as well. He's very accepting of all people, and I like to be the same. You know, one of the first things I saw him do that really uh, endeared me to him or him to me, whatever it is, is that the day that he sat down with that one guy had the beer on the White House lawn. Mm-hmm. And said, you want to talk about this stuff? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it over a beer. And he sat down, I'm like, you know what? That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a guy who gets it, and that, that was a big moment for me. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that he looks like Barack Obama? You know, if we had... Um, a young version of him, I'm telling you, I think so. You tell me, audience. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There is a picture of him from, like, the 70s Yeah, <laughs> that's floating around. Well, I think uh, Barack has a little bit more of a pro, but I am telling you, I think that uh-huh. his he does, and I said that to him when we were ta- talking about this question. I said, you look like Barack Obama to me. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what about on a uh, local level, sir? Um, at a local level, I would say that my past professor, um, Stephanie Rice, she's the radio television coordinator. I had her for my single cam class at UCF. And one of the projects we had to do was a PSA. Um, mine was on drugs. And I gave, the idea, gave her the idea that I wanted to do on opiates. And when I first showed her, she wasn't really pleased with it. But um, she gave me some constructive criticism. And after I showed it to the class and her again, she realized I listened to her advice and Doing that just showed that people give you criticism, not just to tear you down. I mean, some do because they don't like to see you succeed. But she really tried to help me and make my project stronger. And for that, I thank her. Mm -hmm. So for her at a local level, yes. And that's an honest one because it's a former professor. Yeah. It wasn't like my current professor. That's what I'm going to put out here. There's no kissing up on that one. There's no shout-outs happening at this point. That's cool. I like that. And what about a personal level here, sir? Um, personal level, uh, level. I, of course, I have to go with my father, hmm. only because he taught me how to be the man I am today. Only because he was always that person, no matter what was happening in our lives, he was always hardworking, there from the morning to at night when everyone else was gone. So I like to think that I can get that same level of hard work and knowing when you have to get everything done and provide for your family or your loved ones, and I want to be that same kind of guy. That's really nice. Yeah, it's very well said. It honors your family well. I try. Yeah, yeah. They, they'd be happy. They'd and, of course I have to, listening. and of course I have to thank him for his genetics only because he gave me this great voice. <laughs> yeah, and that's the whole reason when I met Jerron. I was at a UCF, because he's at UCF. Um, I had met him at a career event, and that's when I was talking with him. I said, you have a great radio voice. And I went, ooh, this is going to be this awesome. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Listen, normally, I get, you know, you've got a face for radio, you know, so yeah. uh, that one. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about innovation. What does it mean to you, and what do you think, like, something, a cool product that you've seen that is very innovative? Um, innovation to me is something that is, of course, entirely new or something that is always improving. And for me, because I'm a big video gamer, I have to say the Nintendo Switch. Um, It came out about a year ago, and I believe this past month it was announced that it was the fastest video game console in U.S. history. I have one. It's sold out everywhere. I love it, and the idea that you can play on the go or at home, I feel like is a very revolutionary concept. It really is. I think they're trying to do that with the uh, the PlayStation Portable at first. They try because they have remote play and everything, yeah, but it's but like that didn't really pan it out. It wasn't the same. No, you didn't get the same tactile. I mean, you can take the Switch and you just plug it in and go or unplug it and go. It just, it's just mm-hmm. very – I like. I saw – I was on a plane trip to uh, L.A. a couple months ago, and there were probably half a dozen people with the Switch on the plane just playing. 
And with the person, that, like they would go here, put a complete stranger next to them, hand them a joystick, no and they both be playing the game. A yep. stranger yeah. on the plane. That, yeah, like, wow. Nintendo yeah. Switch brings people together. It, it really does. <laughs> it is a fantastic product. They really hit a, a home run with that product. Okay, so now I want to know how to play it. So we're going to have to do that maybe. Okay, I own one. I can bring it in. Night, yeah, okay, well. bring it in. Let's do that. <laughs> Hands on live experience. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, so uh, have you ever been an intern or worked with interns? Um, no, this is actually my first internship, so I'd like to thank you for the opportunity again, Isabella. Okay, so there's no pressure. So I always like the internship with me to be something, you're welcome too, but to be really highly experiential, and he got thrown right into the loop, and he's having to learn how to run the board. He's going to learn yeah, so we'll many things. Yeah, we'll be swapping sweet seats next week. Oh, yeah. oh, he didn't know that, so that's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. But um, I haven't had an internship before, but I always like the idea of, if you don't have an internship, there are always other ways to get involved, especially with something like production where if you don't have your own camera, I'm sure there's always an opportunity to get involved somewhere. So at my school, I got involved with Tonight's the Night. Um, I'm one of the announcers, so I announce like the host, the guests, kind of similar to what I'm doing right now. <laughs> kind of fitting. Yeah, kind of fitting. <laughs> um, it's like a Jimmy Fallon kind of um, talk show. So that's a student-run production. I mean, there's one teacher who helps it helps like when the show goes live, but he's kind of just making sure everything works properly. But at the end of the day, it's like whether we succeed or fail, it's all about the students. So one of the fun facts when he was telling me about this is that Jimmy Fallon didn't know this. It was actually done in the day, or maybe it was you, Andy. I'm not sure. One of you two was telling me about this that it's actually done in the day, so it has a nighttime feel. Who was telling me? That, that had to be Jerron because I've only been in production on that side, so. Okay. Was then it, it was me. Yeah. It, it was you. Yeah. It was definitely you then. Yeah. So why didn't you tell us about that? Because I had the impression that it was always done at night. But then when you gave me that little fact, I was going, wait a minute. They do a lot of stuff out on the street and it's in the day. It's and in the day. It started yeah. making sense. Then. I believe when it comes to Jimmy Fallon, they always have, it was um, pre-recorded. So it's mm -hmm. just like, because I feel like even Jimmy would get tired <laughs> that late at night. But like, um, even when it comes to my show tonight, tonight, we do it live 7, 7 p.m. all the time. So whether there are flubs, mistakes... Happy coincidences. Yeah. It's a surprise to everyone. Happy little accidents. <laughs> yeah. You know, I tell myself here in the show notes, he had tonight's the night, but mm -hmm. it's right by no, right underneath the question of, has he ever been an, an intern? It's like, no, tonight's the night. And I thought he was saying, like, tonight's the night. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, UCF night, so tonight is spelled T O K N I G H D. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, that's a typo. And I, tonight, you know, I wrote like tonight as in tonight. We like to be clever. <laughs> yeah, I caught it when he started announcing. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it yeah. now. Yeah. You fixed it, though, right? Yeah, so, I fixed okay, it. Okay, yeah. good. We're yeah. good in the show notes. All right, so as you're graduating, yeah? Yes. So as a graduating uh, senior, what have been some unique or interesting ways that you have been able to fund your education at UCF? I would say scholarships, scholarships, scholarships. Mm. I mean, especially um, going from even high school. Just like, let's start there. Um, I remember even in high school, it's your senior year, you want to enjoy yourself, but at the same time, you always have your mom in the background, hey, apply for those internships because they're going to help you later in college. And she was right. <laughs> I believe, like, right out of the gate, I had about 10 scholarships. And they had, like, a scholarship night at my high school, and they kept calling my name Jerron Thomas, Jerron Thomas. I felt like all the students were getting annoyed at me. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool, though. But to this day, I'm like, I still have some money left over for it, and I'm for that I'm forever thankful. How much money did you actually end up? Do you mind sharing that? Because you had to work for that. Sure, sure. Um, it was just me doing a lot of essays, but I want to say at least, 8000 for sure, but wow. I also um, went to my state college because I did theater before I came here as a production major, and I was also on a theater scholarship, so I paid for about 
$4,000 a year. That's pretty per, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And I was there for two years, so I'm and like, and it's unrestricted it. money, right? They didn't say that you had to use it on tuition. You could. I mean, could some be living expenses. Yeah, some of course try to because they don't want you to spend all your money just like let's go buy a car because right. obviously yeah. don't do that with your money. <laughs> right. I'm like, if you need to buy the books, they cost like two hundred dollars a piece. You got to save that money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get it. You can rent books. That blew my mind. I know. Amazon. Right? You can rent books on Amazon. It's crazy. Yeah, and then they even have everything that is online. So now they may even get away with that renting books. Who knows? Sometime. It's amazing. You know, I've told my kids the same thing. I've got a, my son's a sophomore in college and my daughter's a, a senior in high school. And I've told them time and time again, apply for scholarships. Continue always. So that's your job. Mm-hmm. Don't go good job. Your job is to apply for scholarships. Mm-hmm. Another great way that people don't know that they can fund an education is if they get a job at this college. Well, that's true, yeah. Then if you're working full time, some of the colleges, for example, I'm going to throw a shout out to my alma mater, Rollins. If you work at Rollins for a whole year... You, your family, that means spouse, kids, can all go to school for free there. But you have to work there for a year and be vested. And it's a complete ride with Rollins. At UCF, they do not give that same They don't, they don't per- have that there. <laughs> no, uh. they don't. And it's, they'll give them a 20% uh, tu- tuition reimbursement. You know? It's like employee discount. Yeah, employee <laughs> discount is like not very much, but... Um, it's a big school. UCF yeah, is true. the yeah. second largest school in our country. And yeah. college students, they'll take that 20% back. Yeah. Gladly, <laughs> gladly. Yeah. So that's a creative way to be able to fund your education is get a job at the school and stay there for a while. Awesome. Well, Jaron, I appreciate you being on the show, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, your interning here. And I'm happy just to work with all of you. I, I promise yeah. I, won't, uh, I won't do too many crazy things for you, though. Eh, you so. can be a little crazy. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is good, yeah. <laughs> And because he is a college student, I had learned the first time when we had first met, I went, okay, he had no food. So I always <laughs> want to make sure I'm bringing him food, but now it's kind of like a little joke, and it's only been yeah. the third time of coming here. But he uh, has come prepared, and he makes sure he eats, but nonetheless, I'm still bringing food. Of course. There's going to be a time when you don't have food. She's <laughs> got a bag of ramen over there. You just don't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> She's always looking out for me. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for Andy's spot. Yeah. Andy Stetziger, podcast host and producer for over 20 years of experience. Now, I'd like to ask you the same questions. All right. Three leaders, living or dead, on a global level, local level, and personal level, level who do you find extraordinary? On a global level, the, one of the persons I look up to a lot, and this uh, strikes some people as odd for me, but Malcolm X is one of the people that I consider uh, a leader on a global scale. Um, how he was able to organize what he stood for, and how he conducted himself, uh, even though there were some turbulent times in his life, it just proved to me that he was human and was still able to get his message out in a positive manner. Uh, so it's something that I really, uh, there's a lot of values of his that I have, a lot of quotes of his that I have up on, on, on my wall. So, good guy. Yeah. Okay. And on a local level? On a local level, um, and this, I might get a little bit of argument, this guy might be considered uh, a little bit of... Um, uh, national as well, but uh, a gentleman by the name of Dan Kennedy, who is a marketer. He's been a marketer for a number, a well, number of years. I've never heard of him, so I'm going to go with local, it sounds like. Um, well, <laughs> I think he's based out of Virginia. I don't know. Anyhow, um, he's just a, a very big marketer who teaches a lot of amazing marketing skills, uh, both online and offline. Uh, he is what I would consider one of the masters of the long-form sales letter. Uh-huh. Um, so he's just a really fantastic guy who can teach a lot of a lot of valuable valuable lessons. 
And the most valuable lesson was a really great story. I had uh, the opportunity to go to dinner with him, where dinner with Dan Kennedy is $5,000 a seat. I did not pay $5,000 for my seat. <laughs> so now this sounds like a really good story. How yeah. did you get to snag that? Um, we were actually doing some uh, technology work for Dan, and in, in exchange, uh, we got the seats. So it was, Wow, that better have been a really good dinner. It, you know, it was, being next to him was better than the meal. It was, it was at a hotel, so it was a hotel catered dinner. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. the dinner was dinner. But what was awesome was we got to ask him questions. We were there one-on-one with him. That's a big event. And uh, we asked a question. We said, look, there are like 30 keynote speakers in this event, and they've all got their own marketing message with their own marketing books, their own marketing everything. What, who do we listen to? What should we take away from all this? You know, it, who, who would be the guy to go listen to to buy their book if we could only buy one book and, and listen to one guy? Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, you know, it doesn't matter who you go listen to. It doesn't matter what book you buy. At the end of the day, you just have to do it. He said, Nike got it right. You just have to do the work. Okay, what? so I Googled him. Yeah. <laughs> Is this him? Does he have? No, that's a, yeah, okay. yeah, that's it. I saw the, I saw the logo for Glazer Kennedy inside the circle. Oh, yeah. right. So there you go. Yeah. I'd say that's not him. That's a, that's a, one of his series of books or something he's got. Yeah, but it says claim $800 worth of powerful marketing tools yeah. and resources for free. Yeah. That sounds like a really good gift. You be careful. Don't sign up. You'll get emails galore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that everyone can do And that, I didn't mean to interrupt you no, there. No, no, no. You're yeah. fine. So, I mean, the basic lesson he was saying is however you get your, however you get your motivation and your inspiration, you still have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And so that was the biggest thing. I didn't go see anybody because we were selling stuff at that event. And uh, it, was, it was just a great, great lesson I learned from him. That is really, really valuable there. And he sounds like quite a guy. So now I, you made me Google him. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to go look at the website even more and see see what else is there. But and he, he does, uh, I don't know what kind of, kind of horse racing it is. Carriage racing where you're behind the horse on like a chariot, but it's a carriage, not a chariot. Oh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. He had a really nasty accident one year. Mm. It does sound very Roman-like, though. Like yeah, except gladiators. you're sitting down. You're not standing up like a gladiator. You're like sitting down. I can try to know what Scott is cool. Yeah. Okay. I, is that like a competition thing? Yeah, it's a race around the track. Would oh. you ever try it? No, no. <laughs> mean horses don't get. We have a horses and I have a mutual relationship and mutual understanding that I don't bother them, they don't bother me. It's great. Okay. We get along. Mm, I would love to hear that story of how that came to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll remember that one if we still have time at the end. Yeah. Will do. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good. Now, um, someone on a personal level you find extraordinary. Uh, personal level is a gentleman by the name of Dusty Rollins. Um, no relation to Rollins College although I think he did go there. Um, but he's a, a local, local uh, financial advisor here in town, also an entrepreneur here in town. And uh, he's a guy that uh, just gets it done in the mm-hmm. bottom line. And he's very inspirational and motivating to me uh, because he just gets stuff done. Once he's, he didn't even have to fully understand it. That's his big thing. He's like, it's one of those shoot first, aim later. Mm-hmm. And he's that type of guy where if he puts out a video it is not going to be the best video, but he's going to get his message across. That you know he might be out of frame, that lighting might be off, the sound might be a little janky, but he's going to get his message across, and that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I admire about him. Is he doesn't wait for it to be perfect. He just waits for it to be done. That's super cool. So I want to throw one out there. I know I'm not being asked these questions, but oh, I still fine. want to throw yeah. one out there. So Eleanor Roosevelt, on a global level, uh, one of the quotes that she said that I find so inspirational is, uh, it actually came from the Princess Diaries. I have to be honest. Like, that's real, really where I heard it. But she said, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. Mm-hmm. 
And you can take that word in there, that verb or noun, sorry, inferior. Nobody can make you feel inferior without permission. And just substitute anything else. They can't make you feel bad. So it's really whatever power that you want to give to somebody else. And I really like that a lot. It kind of helps me put things back into perspective. And if I were to pick on a local level, um, honestly, that's kind of tough for me because I, I have so many people around me that are really inspiring. So I'll have to think about that one because I, it's really hard for me to nail that one down. But on a personal level, I would actually pick both of my parents. And one of the things that I had uh, told my parents, my mother died three years ago. It was of leukemia. And I had told my parents both of these things, that I really appreciated everything that they've taught us as our, you know, we have, I have two other brothers, um, to be really strong, to be independent, to be confident, to be resourceful, you know, to be able to be thinking for ourselves. And those qualities and traits are really powerful. Um, my mom, she was always wanting me to kind of stay, oh, that little two-year-old mm-hmm. kid. But, and I think every parent tries to do that. They want you to stay like that little baby. But I had said, you know, you all raised me. My parents, they had each raised us to be those people that could take care of ourselves. And I knew that I was the best of my parents, but I was also the things that I didn't like about my parents. So with that said, I had told them I learned how to manage the things that I didn't like about them. I knew that those are in me too. Manage them and overcome them. And I didn't know how they were going to take that, but they actually, they started crying. And they went, you know, that's that's really good. Because then I think they realized I wasn't saying, oh, you know, it's your fault that I'm this way. I was actually saying, no, I am you. And, you know, I've learned to come to terms with it. So. So when you're watching those uh, insurance commercials where you're becoming like your parents, yeah. does that remind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit of tear jerkers too yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but parents, they're awesome. Yeah. Kind of kind of can't live without them. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah. You need them at least for a while. At least for a while, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always need them, though. Anyway, so I just wanted to throw those out there. I appreciate too. it. Yeah. Of course. All right, um, Andy. Uh, innovation. Innovation. I describe innovation as a dent in the universe. Uh, Steve Jobs called it a ding in the universe. Uh, There is a local uh, robotics group here in Orlando that's called Dent in the Universe. And I prefer the dent over the ding because it's more impactful. It is. No pun intended. Uh, So, yeah, making a dent in the universe is what I consider innovation. And how I, one of the ways that I've seen innovation affect uh, me personally, y'all remember, well, you might not, but there was a commercial, Isabelle, you might remember it. Uh, with the little lady who fell down, and she grabs a little thing in her collar, and she's like, "I'm falling, I can't get up." They still play that. Okay, they still you're, play you're familiar. It. With I'm it? not that young. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you know it too, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of classic. So now, I mean, that used to be the thing. And of course, that would that would try to make a connection to your phone, to what you try to call, you know, at people for help. Now, in today's day and age, if you have any smart speaker in your house, whether it be a Google device or an Alexa device, whatever it might be, you can actually have it call a loved one for you. Oh. So we're, this is the, the interconnectivity of every day. Everything's being more and more interconnected, which is both awesome and scary at the same time. Yeah, we're becoming the machine. We really are. Um, and if we rely on technology, when technology breaks, people don't know what to do sometimes. I've got mm-hmm. a great story about that I'll tell you sometime. But, uh, um, but my, my dad's now getting up there in age. Uh, he's in his late set. No, he just he just had eighty. He just turned eighty uh, mm-hmm. December twenty seventh. So he's now eighty, and 
he's now living with my sister. He's at the, you know, he's he's in Colorado and he's not, no one's always there for him at home. Mm-hmm. But we have an Alexa there. And we have the ability, he has the ability anytime just to call out and we know he's covered. Mm-hmm. So I like that. That is nice. It is nice. So then I think there was like maybe one other question. Like on the technology side, I saw something that was, uh, can I throw mine? Sure, sure, okay. absolutely. So I saw something that was really cool. I, I always look to see what are the latest things that are in tech. And I saw in India, they played this on Facebook, there was a wooden spoon. And it is, uh, you think it's wooden, but it's actually made out of a plant-based material and it can be eaten. So now you don't have waste going into the environment. I like that. So you yeah. you eat your food and then you eat your utensils. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I thought like that those. was really brilliant. And then there was another one that I saw where it's actually going into the ocean and it's able, because I used to work for the Nature Conservancy. I was a grants administrator and a financial analyst and realized I'm not a financial analyst. <laughs> but um, I loved my programs. And they were from Gainesville, Florida, down to the Keys. And there's always all of this waste that goes into our environment. So really feel that one. But this product goes out into the ocean and it sucks in all of the debris and the, the, like the bags and the trash that gets up into our ocean. And then it actually tur- turns it around. It can recycle it and, and compress it. So I thought it was really interesting also. So I like to look for those things that are on, uh, whether it's Facebook and just what are the cool things in tech. So I was really uh, glad to hear that one. Yeah, tech is always changing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like Facebook. Um, I don't know about you guys, but every week Facebook is changing something again on me. And I'm going, oh. What's the now? What's this new thing I've got? Yeah, and don't forget to review your privacy settings on Facebook yeah. at least once a month because sometimes they, they'll change and default them back to their default, which is not what you want. So, I did not know that. That's a yeah. good tip to know, so I'm going to go and check that now. Not being paranoid, just being real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, to both of you, have either of you ever been interns or worked with interns? I know, of course, you have, but have yeah. you ever been an intern yeah. yourself? Actually, uh, yes. When I was going to school... Um, to be a public classroom teacher, I ended up doing, and I had a day job, so I had gone to work to, okay, I probably shouldn't, I'm going to take you guys back a little bit here. So my first two years of college were at University of Florida. I transferred up to FSU originally as a criminology major, spent way too much time with the uh, guy that I was seeing at the time, not enough time in class, flunked out, got sent home. So when I did that, I decided, and my parents said, no, we're not paying your way anymore. You're going to have to figure it out. So I got a full-time job, and I put myself through Rollins, and then I made that whole honor roll. I was on president's list the whole time. So I was going to school at night full-time and working in the day. Anyway, um, back to the original thing here. So I had to get a job as a public classroom teacher. That's what I wanted to go into. And I was thrown into a school where for six weeks I was told just keep them in the classroom. Just keep them in the classroom. Because I had all different types of classes that were going on. So that was my internship. And it was trial by fire, to be honest. Because somebody had quit their job. They had to hire somebody to come in. And that was essentially the internship. And I had drama. I had journalism. I had ninth grade English, I had two sections of those, and then I had an honors level 11th grade English. So all these different preps that I had to prepare for. So it was, it was challenging. 
But having worked with interns, I have worked over the course of these five years uh, pretty close to like close to 300 interns. 300, really? Yeah, that's a lot of students <laughs> in all different types of disciplines from software development, things that I know nothing about, and I have to make sure that there's somebody there that can mentor them in those uh -huh. areas. But I have enjoyed it because it's continuous learning, and I have learned so much from the other students. So I feel like it's something that every employer should do is to have interns work in their company because you're going to get a totally different perspective. You're going to see your business through a different set of eyes. People that don't know your industry, they don't know what the company does, they don't know necessarily what that job does, or, you know, it's challenging for a student that comes in. They have to learn so many levels of the organization within three months, and it's it's got to be um, something that I think employers need to pay attention to. So that's my story. What so about you? I have... Uh, Back in the day, I actually taught college, and part of the uh, senior curriculum was for that senior to be put into an internship in IT. And I had to work with the companies that we were placing our seniors in uh, for that internship mm -hmm. and help manage what we were teaching. That's the feedback we got from the businesses is, are we teaching the right stuff? Mm -hmm. So I was in that position to manage the the student and the business that that student was being interning. It's kind of like almost a very small version of what what you're doing, mm. uh, just on a very, very small one. Uh, we were, were lucky enough that we were in uh, in Arkansas, eastern Arkansas at the time, and right across the the river is Memphis, Tennessee, and FedEx. And FedEx loved sending, uh, you know, getting interns from us. Mm -hmm. And we loved sending interns to FedEx. It was just very simple. It was a very nice little relationship we had with them. Uh, now, as an employer... Um, when I was actually an employee manager, I was managing IT uh, division of the company and I uh, was given interns. Um, I never directly asked for interns. I was just, they would show up mm -hmm. like puppy dogs. <laughs> and um, uh, the, the ones that would just, they would, there was always, it was one of those weirdest things because it wasn't ever properly done. And that's probably why I had a negative experience. It was always a favor for a friend. Mm, and yeah. it would show up and go, hey, this guy, um, you know, he is such and such person's next door neighbor, and this is his son. Could, we need to give him an internship. And they would put him in IT. Mm -hmm. And like the one guy we had one year, he was uh, he was going for elect uh, electrical engineering. Well, there's a little bit of that in IT, but not a ton of that in IT. Uh, we did we did infrastructure, so there's a little bit of that, but not enough for an internship. So we're trying to expose him to other things, and he he was very much a wiring guy. Very much that type. It was like he was bored the entire mm -hmm. time. Um, so with him, we had a lot of fun. And by fun, I mean I told you I wasn't. This is things I won't do to you. <laughs> okay. uh, like we send them on um, horrible errands, like to go find left-handed screwdrivers. Oh and, yeah, oh, that's it, mean. Yeah. But just we had to give him something to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so he had to go do something. Um, uh, we got him to uh, I don't know. We do weird things, karaoke with him. Like go do this. For you. It was just the craziest things we'd have him do. Because um, I didn't want him to just go get coffee all the time. So. Right. Uh, but one of the things that I didn't want to do with any of my interns was give them all the crummy work that nobody else wanted to do. Right. Because I don't feel that you learn from anything. And that's not, I don't think, what internships are for. So we did try to expose him a lot of stuff that we know would help him as far as, like, we, we got him to rewire a wiring closet. He did a phenomenal job of that because it was something he was interested in doing. Mm -hmm. So if I ever found something he was interested in doing, I would try to direct him into that. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we just had nothing to do, yeah, we're sending him on wild goose chases. Yeah. Mm. So, 
Yeah, that's not always a lot of fun. So normally when I um, work with employers, I will tell them that, you know, you need to make sure that there's about 20%, it can be research-based uh, that you're asking them to, them to do, but 80% of whatever the tasks are needs to be relevant to what that job is. It has to be. Now, we did have a really good intern that came through that was uh, going for a program, using a programming, mm -hmm. and he came through IT, and we got him the... So one of my beliefs is that if you're going to be doing any type of uh, web-based programming, so which is pretty much almost everything in these day and age, I for firmly believe that you need to understand the platform and what you're programming for. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a website, let's just say just a plain old website, and you're going to be putting that on an Apache server, you need to understand Apache, you need to understand Linux, you need to understand the, 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 what that foundation is. So when we got this guy who was going to be doing web development, as an intern into the IT department, I had him building servers, I had him installing Linux, I had him updating Apache, I had him doing all the infrastructure stuff. So he had a great fund, uh, fundamental and foundation to then go into the programming side with. Yeah, that's and to good. understand that there's some things you can do in any kind of programming language that whatever function that might take you, I don't know, 15, 20 lines of code in whatever language you're doing, it might be one system call. Mm -hmm. So learn what's going to be the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that w that one went went really well. So that's really good. That's a really interesting story that you shared too, because a lot of employers, uh, part of the problem why they're frustrated is they may not have systems in place, and they don't really think about creating the job description and think about how the tasks that you're asking them to do actually have to be something that's translatable to a real skill that they can put on their resume because that's what they're looking for. And it's a fine line because you have to stay in compliance with the Department of Labor when you're, especially when using unpaid internships, oh my goodness, you know. So those are the companies that usually ask me to create those programs for them. And then there are people that already know what, they think they know what they're doing. Mm. They'll ask me to come and do a double check and say, okay, how does everything look? And then I, I double check them. But my background is in education, but it's also in entrepreneurship. And I understand what businesses are looking for from that business side and an HR side. Uh, but also the students, I understand what their needs are from an academic side. So it really needs, it's a balance that has to be designed. And it should be somebody that knows what they're doing inside of that company so they can make sure they're giving that student real job skills. Absolutely. Totally agree. Because Jerron is earning every single thing yeah. that he is having to do. <laughs> He's going to earn it all. Yeah. I have to say this is a very empowering internship that you've given me. Yeah. You've given me a lot of opportunities to make different creative choices, and I, for that I really appreciate it. And you're very welcome. And so let's look at one of the intern things that happened here because we were talking about this earlier. Mm -hmm. um, you and I were working together on Monday, yes. and I left early. <laughs> And part of an internship, <laughs> I think for anybody, but even for the employer, you have to be open and allowing people to make mistakes. Sure, absolutely. So I tell the people that work with me, I go, listen, I know you're going to screw up. You're gonna, and you're going to screw up really big sometimes, and they do. And, but it's no different than myself. So be willing to make sure that that person that's working with you, no matter who they are, if they're relatively inexperienced or if they have 40 years of experience, um, give as much mercy and grace and forgiveness as you want for yourself when you you mess up. And so you want to share what you did? Um, after you had left, yeah. you gave me time to just work in the studio alone and just figure everything out. Yeah. And if I hadn't done that, I don't know the show would even be live right now. <laughs> so, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
So this is really our, our second episode, I, I, I'm understanding. Because I heard we went live for three minutes. Three <laughs> minutes, but I'm sure the people who did listen enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious what happened in those three minutes. <laughs> it was him going, how do I shut this off? <laughs> yeah. Were you like saying bad words? Uh, of course not. If anything, no. I was just perfecting my DJ voice. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. But were you like going testing, testing, testing? testing? Because I have no idea. A lot of that and a lot of just living out my dad's fantasy of, Everybody, let's listen to the slow jams right now. <laughs> I love it. That sounds funny. That's why we had to turn the mood lighting on here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And one more question, because yeah. I know it would benefit me greatly. Oh, perfect. What would you tell your 20-year-old selves going through college? Man, so old man question. I like it. Um, no, uh, that the grades that you're striving to get don't mean anything if you cannot apply the knowledge in the real world. So what I mean by that is don't just go for the academics of college. Yes, you know, you need those grades because those grades are going to help you, but remember to apply those. So if you just focus on your academics in college and you don't involve yourselves in clubs and in programs and in anything else, then you're really not getting a full education. Um, and I bring it back to a really great friend of mine one year. Uh, this guy was a phenomenal book smart guy. If you asked a question, it was, this was all IT stuff. You could ask him a question in IT, he would know the answer and pretty much tell you the page number you could find it on the book. And he came in one day and he's like, how do I do, and he wanted basically to do uh, some wiring across, uh, yeah, he wanted to do cross, across connect wiring. And he didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you not have, know how to do this? I mean, you could tell me how to do it, but you can't physically do this. And it's because all he had was book smarts. And unless you have the real world experience, you could have you could have straight A's without experience. You get straight A's. Mm. And then the problem is, you know, you go to an employer, your first employer, and you you know if you if they even bother to look at your res or your college transcripts, which most of them won't. If you get there and you're you're that green, you're useless to them. So you have to have that experience. You've got to know how to apply the knowledge that you're gaining in college. You have to be able to apply that directly to what you want to do. So what you're doing here is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So, and what you're doing is even more fantastic. <laughs> awesome. so. <laughs> so the one thing that I would say is to know yourself. Mm. Really know your strengths and the absolutely the things that you don't want to do. And when I say that, remember I said I realized I was not a financial analyst. Yeah, the numbers just didn't add up for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just, I, I, that's not where I get my energy from. My energy comes, you need to know what your, um, your, like if I'm doing personality assessments. I need to know more about myself. So I get energy from being around people. I'm an extroverted um, processor, which means that I also talk to be able to walk through my problems. And it's kind of like a hurricane where it's like, okay, where is she going with this? But I do get to the point, the eye of the hurricane at the bottom there. And then I have learned to um, also appreciate being in the moment. And I think that those are the things that if we focus too far ahead on the future, we kind of miss what's going on right now in the present. Oh, yeah. And then also um, the third thing, this is something my parents told me. They said, try everything because you really don't know what you're going to like and what you're not going to like. Mm. So I tried to compress that into the four years so I could figure out what I really did like. And my major was originally criminal justice. I switched it over to English because I went, well, what do I like to do? And I went, I like reading, I like writing, I like researching. So, boom, it became English. And that has been something that has carried me through. I could write grants. 
I was oh, yeah. able to work with, um, write business plans. I can write res- resumes. Um, I teach. I love teaching. So I've always used those things that I absolutely love that I'm passionate about mm-hmm. and put it into whatever my industry is that I work in or whatever the job was that I was doing. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. So those are my tips that I would have said. And I'm happy for both of them greatly. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. Hopefully our listeners will too. <laughs> so we did want to talk a little bit about um, some entrepreneurship kind of stuff here uh, in today's episode. And we're going to kind of briefly uh, run down how 3D printing is affecting entrepreneurs in today's marketplace. Um, we've all probably pretty much seen what a 3D printer is, maybe seen one in action at a con or gone to Maker Fair and seen one or Toronto Cons coming up they this weekend. They have them in the libraries at schools now. They do have them in the libraries. They're, yeah. they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, what might come as a surprise to a lot of people is they've been everywhere since the 80s. That is surprising. Just, I did not know that. Just on a very, very large and expensive scale. Wow. Um, so they've been around for a long time. Uh, back in the 80s, it wasn't cool. They didn't call it 3D printing. So I have a theory about how nothing's really cool until the markers get a hold of it, and then mm. it gets cool. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives the pricing down and innovation up. So back in the 80s, they called it additive manufacturing. Additive manufacturing. manufacturing. So when you look at 3D printing, all you're doing is you're printing little dots, uh, in this case with plastics, about a millimeter dot every millimeter. So it's just you're adding to it, so additive manufacturing. You're just adding little dots. 3D sounds so much cooler. Doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, markers <laughs> get a hold of it, 3D printing, oh, man, I love it. It's, it's, it's all the rage. But back in the 80s, when they were trying to do it, it was expensive, the machinery was heavy, machinery was large, and so it was only used for prototyping large government-type projects. Mm. So it wasn't, didn't really catch on. Now, you can look at uh, the cost of 3D printing uh, in a model that they call cost per part. So how much does it actually cost you to print what you are printing? Um, and that cost can be offset several different ways. Number one, by the actual device that you're printing with, the printer that you buy. Uh, the the printing material that you're using mm-hmm. has a has a cost associated with it, and the size of what you're printing all the all those determine how much your actual print is going to cost you. Now there are ways to offset those, and this is where the entrepreneurship all starts coming into play here. Uh, you can Google in your city here in Orlando we have uh, three or four of them, but you can look in your own city for maker spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Orlando downtown Orlando we have Factor, <coughs> out on the east side we have Famalab. And on the south side, we have Maker Effects. I know two of the three. So I, I happen to be a member of Maker Effects. Mm-hmm. Love the place. It's a really cool uh, maker spaces there. But in addition to those maker spaces, which do have uh, 3D printers, usually multiples of them, you also have individuals who have even more 3D printers than maybe the maker space does. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also 3D printing meetup groups. Here in Orlando, we have uh, a really cool 3D, meet, uh, 3D printing meetup group. And just so happens here in Orlando, we also have uh, Delta Makers, which is a company that makes 3D printers based here in Orlando. So they actually host meetup groups at their location. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So we've come from prototyping into production with 3D printers mm-hmm. because the cost has come down. Everybody's into it now. It's starting to be something that uh, is more cost effective to actually design stuff with. So now that it's becoming more cost-effective, what are you going to do with it? And how are you going to get your prototype or your actual production thing done? So businesses are now printing 3D consumables because it's cheaper than actually buying them. And, and some examples of those are, are phone cases. 
a lot of companies will issue a phone, and then they'll, they'll either tell the employee, look, you're responsible for a phone case, or you, you know, or not, whatever they're going to do. Companies are now just 3D printing phone cases with their logos and everything else on them just so the employee has something to protect the phone with. Uh, laptop stands. Laptops, uh, every day they're getting and more. I Go have ahead. to ask yeah, you. Yeah, sure. That is honestly cheaper than sending it out to be printed someplace else? Sure. Uh, or I can, made? Whatever. Yeah. I, so a phone stand, you mean? Or a phone case, rather? Any of those. So a phone case, I can print a phone case for about 24 cents. Wow. Oh. And how long does it take to make that? Because I've That's watched thing, those yeah. things. They, <laughs> no, they slow, go yeah. really. You, you, you have to be patient. You have to be yeah. very patient with them. However, um, uh, I just completed a 25, 26-hour print job uh, at, at home on uh, some pieces and parts that I needed for stuff uh, around the house. So, yeah, I had to wait a day. Mm-hmm. But my cost of those pieces and parts for the stuff I need around the house is pennies to the dollar what I would have spent. Hmm. So uh, camera enclosures for security cameras. People will buy cameras, and then what are you going to do with them? You have to protect those. We have a couple here in the studio that have the basic enclosure, but they could use a little more. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we could actually print enclosures for those. Cable management for IT. Doorstops. You go to... How many people buy doorstops and you lose a doorstop? You can never find a doorstop when you need a doorstop. I don't know. Yeah. People just put a chair in front of the door. <laughs> right. that, know, yeah, so. that's safe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or a p- piece of wood, like a shim, something like that. Yeah, yeah they do that. Outlet covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, people replace those all the time because they get broken. Light fixtures, nameplates for your doors or your desk. How many times do you have to replace those? But I've seen 3D um, printers used for creating, like, bionic arms. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're not... And this food. Is just, yes. They're even using it for food. Yes. You can, uh, I've had some fantastic pancakes that were 3D printed. No way. What does it <laughs> yeah. taste like? Pancakes. No. What a, how... Why? Because why you use Bisquick. <laughs> why is it in the print when I can actually cook it? But if you could have a 3D printed pancake, wouldn't you rather have a 3D printed pancake? No. I, I find the satisfaction <laughs> in actually cooking, and I find that relaxing. So, I, right, yeah, well, that would not be something Now, can that you would 3D print for. syrup? You, you can inject it in there. Mm. It's like injection molding in there. Okay. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, maybe a... a yeah, injected into the pancake. Yeah, that's it. So uh, car parts, refrigerator parts, too. Like I, re- I printed some stuff. Uh, one of the very first things I printed at home was a little piece that we had to get for our refrigerator. And I looked at Home Depot, and I'm like, man, that thing's like $34. So I looked online, and I actually found a 3D model of it. And I'm like, look, I can print that for $0.12. Cents. I'll print it for $0.12. Cents. Mm-hmm. So I printed it, and it fixed my refrigerator. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, houses. Now, this is large scale. You I can, have seen that. You can I have 3D seen print that on, houses. On, yep. yeah, on Facebook. Uh, cars, boats, planes, all this stuff's being 3D printed. Because uh, you can 3D print in steel, you can 3D print in concrete, you can 3D print any kind of combination but of it those takes materials. so long. <laughs> it's like pouring well, the concrete would be like so much faster than. On that, well, on that, overall, the houses and stuff, it's about the same amount of time. No, I, I so. just really, I don't believe that. <laughs> It's about the same. We'll find someone to 3D print a house for you. Well, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> like maybe a tiny house. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so for your home stuff, I printed some some uh, Christmas gifts this year. That didn't cost me much of anything, and they're really what cool. What was it out of this list? Phone phone cases? What? No. Uh, so uh, it was a phone stand. Uh, for one, it was my father-in-law. He's uh, into music, and I, pr- I it was a treble clef phone stand that I printed for him in a, a filament uh, which looked like marble. It looks really cool. 
And then for my mother-in-law, I printed a pineapple, which is the symbol of hospitality, and she collects pineapples. How big is this pineapple? That was about, yeah, you ate. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess Looked like what, the little leaves on it and everything? Yeah, yeah, I'll show you a picture afterwards. It's fantastic. Does it look like, is it heavy? Is it like ceramic? or? It is not as heavy as ceramic, but I did, what you print with what's called infill, which is what's inside, how many, what the layers are inside, and you do a, a percentage of your infill. So I print, printed that one with a 50% infill which means 50% of the inside is filled up with a grid. Mm-hmm. And so it gives some oomph and weight to it. Because mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to make it feel cheap. Mm. Uh, you can print home stuff like your uh, knickknacks for your bathroom, like stuff to hold your toothbrushes in and soap dispensers. Dispens- There's a lot of stuff you can do like that. So if you have a motif that you're going for, you can easily cover it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, wall hangers, door hangers, slide locks. There's tons and tons and tons. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, Stuff to fix your coffee pot with, like your Keurigs, you can fix your Keurigs with 3D printed parts, so they're readily available for free. You know, you said that they can do boats and cars, and I sat yeah. there and I was thinking, hmm, airplanes. That's a, yes. that's a lot of parts there. But I sit here and I go, I don't know if I would want to ride in something that was created that, because it sounds like it's going to take You forever. probably already have. So. Maybe the parts on a car. <laughs> oh, yeah, like definitely. the fabricated parts. Sure. Like, yeah, maybe that part. So... What we're looking at, I mean, there is just a ton of stuff that's being 3D printed. So how this is affecting the entrepreneur is that it's opening doors up for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cost of getting into 3D printing is nominal. Uh, even on a semi-professional level, you spend five, $500 to $1,000 on a good home-based 3D printer mm-hmm. uh, versus uh, two to three times that for a a commercial grade one, three thousand to five thousand dollars on a commercial grade or more. Mm-hmm. So, five five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, get you in a really decent one for your home. Really good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can then buy your filament, or that's what you're going to be printing your stuff with. You spend about twenty four dollars per roll, and you're going to get out of that, um, depending on a lot of factors, depending on what size of stuff you're printing, and depending on your, your infill that we talked about before. Whether it's a twenty percent up to, all the way up to hundred percent, is that thing solid? that you're doing or what. And so it's going to depend on how much you're going to be able to get out of that roll. Uh, obviously, the the more uh, that you're solid you're printing, the less you're going to be able to print out of that. So you're going to expect to get about four good, decent-sized prints out of a, of a spool. And by decent size, I mean 20-plus inches. So I'm, like, looking at the uh, board here, and it looks like there's going to be somebody coming in behind us here relatively quickly. Right, well, we'll wrap quickly. up really quick here then. Yeah, because we only have, like, two more minutes. Two more minutes. So here's the, here's the big thing. Once you get into this, uh, you can get your slicing software, which actually is going to get your 3D printed object into your 3D printer. Mm-hmm. It'll tell you how much it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. You can then go sell those on Etsy. Very easily to do that. Mm-hmm. Make yourself available to people who are looking for 3D printed 3D printing services, mm-hmm. uh, either through your makerspaces or your entrepreneur meetups or your business luncheons. Mm-hmm. Um, I have customers that I 3D print for on a weekly basis now. Mm. So it is really changing the landscape for a lot of people. Interesting. So, so we need to give a shout out to one of our other sponsors. I think. Of course. Our next sponsor is BMDM Marketing Agency. BMDM is a direct marketing agency focused on helping companies reach individuals through online and offline means. Their newest product enables them to send postcards or to the letters homes of anonymous web visitors within 24 hours of their visit using a patent IP matching technology and our in-house on-demand printing. Thank you, BMDM Marketing Agency. 
Yeah, that's pretty amazing technology that they have there. So you can go and look at a website, and then they already they're capturing that IP address, and then boom, you get a postcard going. Where did this come from? How did they? Oh, know? that's fantastic. Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's really a, a cool thing that they do there. And then there's um, one other thing I want to say. I love Valencia College. I love being able to be on this uh, radio program. I think this is awesome. Isn't it a cool this spot? Is a, yeah, like look at this space that we're in. Yeah, this it's is a really amazing. cool spot. Yeah. Great equipment, really colorful space. We've got this window that no people walk by, but I've been looking and they can see us. They so. can see us. Yeah. yeah. And it's not hot in here. A lot of studios you go into and you're recording and it gets hot. Yeah. I don't know about you on that side of the room because you're far away, but on this side of the room, I'm not hot. Yeah, no, it's cold. Good. Cold. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. All right, so we will be back here live again next uh, Wednesday night. Yep. So uh, thank you, guys. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's all because of you that we're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thrilled that I have people that know what they're doing and that can help guide me. So thank you so much. So remember, folks, uh, you can find us there on our Facebook page and look for Pivot Business Consulting. You'll see everything there. That'll link you to our home site, our home site, our webpage. And uh, all of our other social media uh, contacts will be right there on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Don't forget you can listen live on MixLR.com, Valencia College Radio. And you can also watch us live on our Facebook page next Monday night. And please download the MixLR app. Very good. They have to follow. They have to actually look for download the MixLR app. They have to look for Valencia College Radio. It's all one word. And then they have to follow it, and, and then they'll follow. get notifications. Perfect. Yeah. Now they know where to go. All right. This has been Jerron. This has been Andy. And Isabella. Thank you for listening to the Intern Whisperer. See you next week. Bye-bye.